Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, rolling solo today, bringing you 15 things that I learned in 2020. So the last episode was Lucas and I breaking down 10 things that didn't work for us in our draft strategy, roster construction, maybe it was trades, how to use fab, whatever it was, strategy coming into the season, 10 things that didn't work for us. Lucas and I broke those down on the previous episode. If you haven't tuned into that, make sure you do. There's a lot of great, valuable nuggets in that one. Today, I'm going to be rolling through 15 things that I learned. So we'll flip the script a little bit. And some of these things are things that maybe I wasn't necessarily used to or didn't use in the past per se, or I was questionable on, decided to go for it um, and learn more about this year. Or maybe it's just something that Look, I've done year after year after year, but finally it clicked or maybe I've learned a little bit more about something and crunched numbers, did something a little bit differently this year. And finally, it uh, paid dividends for me. So sit back, relax, enjoy 15 things that I learned in 2020. We'll start off here with number one, and these are in no real particular order. I tried to orchestrate it so it flows a little bit from item to item, but it's not necessarily like the number one thing I learned versus the number 12 thing I learned per se in order, but uh, I did try to orchestrate it in some sort of flow for you. So we'll just kick it off here with the basics. Look, know your league settings seems obvious, but know your league settings, PPR, half PPR, non PPR bonus scoring. Maybe you get four points for a 40 yard touchdown. Maybe you get five points on for a DST for a sack versus one point. Uh, Maybe it's minus five points for an interception, or maybe it's, you know, two points. Maybe you don't get any points taken away for a sack. Do you get those return yards from a guy like, um, you know, let's say like a Michael Hardman or so, if he returns punts, are you also getting those points when he catches a pass as well? Is it the same uh, equivalency there? So there are certain players, obviously, that have the dual threat ability as a kick returner, punt returner. Antonio Brown for years coming up had that dual threat ability. Uh, which is kind of a cheat code in fantasy if you get those players. Um, So it's always good to know that. Are you playing super flex, single quarterback league? Are you playing three wide receivers or two running backs and two wide receivers? Is there an extra flex? Is it tight end premium? How many bench spots do you have? How many IR spots do you have? Do you have a DST? Do you have a kicker? Do you not have either one of them? Are there restrictions on the amount of certain players, right? So in leagues that I commission, I put a, I put a cap on roster construction. You can have no more than four quarterbacks. You can have no more than eight running backs or eight receivers and no more than three tight ends. And that's still a lot. If you have three tight ends on your team or you have more than four quarterbacks and it's not super flex, you have plenty. Okay. Um, 
eight wide receivers and eight running backs. Sometimes you creep on that. If you have injuries, you have guys on IR and you're just trying to make up for it with bye weeks. So those can get a little sticky sometimes, but the reason for that is you don't hog all the stuff, right? You don't have a guy in your league who's, who's got, you know, uh, let's say 10 receivers for some reason. And then you have a gal in your league who's got nine or 10 uh, running backs, right? I mean, that just depletes the, uh, the pool. It depletes the um, waiver uh, ability there. And it just, it makes it less fun for everybody else because there's nobody to pick up on waivers in that particular position. So know your league settings. Again, it seems obvious, like that's rule number one in fantasy, but I cannot tell you how many DMS I get each week before games start and they're like, Oh shit, Sky, I just realized I've got to start an extra wide receiver um, because we play three of them. I don't have an extra flex. I've got an extra, extra receiver. I got to pick somebody up because these three guys are on by blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, you have to know what your league scoring is and what your league settings are. So that's number one, for sure. Know your league. I play in, you know, seven to 10 leagues per year. You probably play in multiple yourself know which leagues you're playing in, know what those particular leagues are and what the scoring is for each individual league. Do not assume they're all the same. If you play in one PPR league, it's probably not the same exact scoring as another PPR league. Do you play with six point uh, throwing touchdowns or four point throwing touchdowns? That's a huge difference when you talk about a guy like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, right? Jalen Hurts next year, um, assuming he plays. But uh, that is definitely something you need to keep into consideration. So number one, know your league settings and scoring. Number two, if you're a commissioner, collect all of the league fees before the draft. Another thing I get hit up with multiple times throughout the season, usually this time of year when fantasy has really kind of toned down, at least for regular leagues, things have toned down and people are, you know, looking to collect that scratch and rightfully so. Um, I commission most of the leagues that I'm in. Um, and frankly, I try to have everybody pay preseason. Of course, there's a couple guys in each league that either can't, they don't want to, you don't get a hold of them, or, you know, you've been playing a long time. They're a good buddy, personal friend, whatever, you know that they're good for it. Not the end of the world, but especially if it's in leagues where you don't know people, you got to have the money up front. Now, I trust people. I give folks the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I haven't necessarily been screwed over too many times with this kind of stuff, but I do know of horror stories of people who have put trust in the wrong hands. And unfortunately, when it comes to the end of the season, if you play for money, whether it be five bucks buy-in, $500 buy-in, doesn't matter. It's the principle of paying the dues. If it's 20 bucks, everybody pays the 20 bucks. You win the league, you want your money. If they're waiting on my 20 bucks to pay you, they're not going to pay you when they're 20 bucks short. So you got to wait for me to pay it. And sometimes they can't track somebody down, yada, yada. Becomes a mess, creates bad blood in the league. It's just not a good look. So A, if you owe money in a league, come up front early, PayPal, Venmo, if you got cash, a personal homie, get them the cash, whatever, or make a note and say, hey man, look, if it's a hundred dollar buy-in that's a little bit steeper or whatever, look, man, I'm, you know, I get paid on Friday. I'll pay you next week or I'll pay you, you know, halfway through the season, whatever it is. Stay true to it so you can gain that trust and you're good for it. So if you're commissioner, collect the league fees before the draft. I, I create a spreadsheet actually because I have multiple leagues and I have like, look, this guy paid, this girl paid, this guy paid, this guy didn't pay. She owes me money. He owes me money. This guy paid. That way I understand who owes what. And I also mark down they paid in the PayPal. They paid in Venmo. They sent me cash. 
Um, you know, they have, maybe they won the league last year and they wanted to keep uh, 50 bucks for their buy-in for this year. So I just held on to 50 bucks for them and paid them out the rest. So they didn't have to worry about buying next year. Fine. However you do it, doesn't matter, but make sure you're clean about it. And if you owe league fees, get in there early, be honest about it and make sure you pay up early so people can get paid. All right. Number three, plan ahead and research again, duh. Right. But it matters if you don't have a Twitter account. Now, before I started doing fantasy football with this podcast and everything else, I did not have a Twitter account. I just, I'm not personally in my personal life. I have no reason to have a Twitter account. Now I'd have one now because of fantasy football and TCK brand and establishing my own brand. And now I have one and I use it frequently, but three, four years ago, I had no reason to have one. So I didn't, but I, a good friend of mine was basically like, man, even if you don't need one, you should create one just so you can follow along to some of the insiders, Ian Rappaport, uh, you know, Matt Berry, uh, the fantasy footballers, um, right. Nick Arcolano. I mean, whoever it is that you're trying to follow Adam Schefter, obviously some of these beat reporters for teams, uh, you know, players, even if you have them on your fantasy squad, other podcasts, writers, whatever it is, that way you get some of that extra fantasy statistic going on all the time on Twitter. Now you don't have to participate if you don't want to, but it is, I think one of the best areas to get information as far as like numbers and stuff we have to worry about on Twitter and what I just can't stand on Twitter and I don't participate in is the hyperbole bullshit, right? You're going to get a lot of people who spit out opinions that have no facts to back them up. You're going to get a lot of people this time of year saying this rookie is the best running back coming out of this class guaranteed it's January. I've watched the film. I've made up my mind. This guy is the top running back. Okay, cool. We do this every year. We talked about pretty much every wide receiver in the top five, except for Henry Ruggs last year, he goes first to the Raiders. We talked about Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Deandre Swift at nauseum last year, the easily the top three backs, no question about it. Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes first as the last pick of the first round of the chiefs immediately the next day on Twitter. He's the number one running back. You got to pick him top 10 overall, blah, 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 dynasty one Oh one. I mean, like it always just gets blown out of proportion. All right. Some guys are the truth. You know, Trevor Lawrence has the pedigree, probably the situation we all expect it to be, but maybe he doesn't go first or maybe they have a different situation there in three years in Jacksonville and it doesn't work out. So just be careful, create a Twitter so you can follow along. I think it is helpful. I really do. And you can follow whoever you want to. And again, you can participate or not, but you then have that information in front of you. Also, of course, listen to podcasts. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, we appreciate your support and you know how we do things on here. I would also encourage you to listen to other podcasts. I am very aware we are not the only podcast in the space. I listen to other podcasts as well. I get a lot of other feedback. I get a lot of other uh, uh, brain train, you know, thoughts, facts, um, different information, breaking information on other things, other perspectives on other podcasts. And I appreciate that, right? Because I'm only one person. The, you know, our crew is only one person individually. We outsource to everybody else to make sure we're getting as much information before we bring it to you. So I highly recommend that in addition to our podcast, again, we appreciate the support, go find another couple podcasts. I'm going to have an episode um, probably, I'd say maybe April or so, um, maybe in March, maybe I'll do it after the Super Bowl. And I'm basically going to lay out how I prepare. And then I'll get the rest of the guys inside as well on like 
different sites that they use. How do we prepare for an off season? How do we do the off season research right now? What podcasts specifically do we listen to individually and collectively? What sites do we use? What memberships do we purchase? You know, is it pro football focus, fantasy pros, Rotoviz, yada, yada. Um, I'm going to kind of do a podcast on that. So you can kind of understand where we're getting the information that um, we're collecting to then bring it uh, to the team and then bring it to you. So grab yourself a Twitter, listen to multiple podcasts. Also read the articles, right? Not just ESPN or Yahoo or CBS or whatever. Go to fantasy pros. We're going to have our website uh, up again real soon after the um, Super Bowl. Read ours. The fantasy footballers have some great writers over there. Um, Go check them out. Again, you're going to find a lot on Twitter as well. And then YouTube film as well. You can type in a guy. Uh, Jonathan Taylor highlights is fun one to watch but I would more watch like Jonathan Taylor game film because you have people who have broken it down and they're actually talking you through sometimes why this six yard run was more impressive than this 45 yard touchdown, right? It's what he does with the ball before he hits the line of scrimmage, pre-snap reads, check downs from the quarterback, all the blocking schemes, whatever. You'll learn a lot more on the game film stuff than highlights. Highlights are fun. They're sexy. They're entertaining. So watch those because it's good to watch your, your favorite players going off and you can see what their capabilities are. But I do recommend that you also watch game film specifically from these guys because it will tell you more about how that player actually works. So plan ahead and research, right? Get yourself a Twitter, follow the fantasy football community, uh, get multiple podcasts in your uh, regimen. Also read the articles best you can. And then of course, YouTube as well. <clears throat> Number four, don't draft injured players in redraft. Now dynasty is a whole nother animal. Okay. We're going to start bringing in more dynasty content. Once the fantasy football season comes to a close with like DFS and, and the, the uh, Super Bowl. We're not doing a lot of dynasty content right now. First of all, everybody else is. So anyone else you listen to, pretty much uh, is, you know, getting that information for you. I will give one uh, quick shout out. Um, Our boys over at the commish uh, have an extra branch uh, this last season. I've learned a lot. They have, uh, you know, the dynasty addicts have come on and they're doing the um, dynasty version now for the commish crew. So go check out the commish podcast. You should be listening anyway. If you don't already tune into the commish fantasy football podcast and also tune in, uh, I think maybe once a week, once a month. I'm not exactly sure how frequently they, they drop it. I think it's once a week or it was during the season. But they have a dynasty-specific podcast. You learn a lot about how to make trades, how to work with draft picks, um, how to work with you know guys, you know future teams versus win now teams, how to deal with veterans, how to how to you know draft that rookie capital, make trades preseason, whatever it is. Go check them out. But you know when you're talking redraft. You don't want to draft injured players. I talked about this on the previous episode with Lucas, and there were guys coming in that had a history of injuries. Saquon Barkley, um, you know, uh, James Conner, right? Uh, Chris Carson, even Julio Jones, as great as he is, right? There are certain guys that just kind of were banged up over the last couple of years. Now they're worth the risk because if they don't get injured and we can't predict injuries, we can only try to avoid them, right? Now these are guys that like, they're worth the risk ish because if Julio's healthy, he's Julio Jones. All right. Every game he was healthy this year, he helped you win weeks. The problem is with his age and everything else, it's catching up to him. AJ green, obviously is the same thing, but then you have guys like James Conner who just can't stay healthy. Right. So is he really worth the five to 10 games that he might play, but not be at hundred percent for half of those as well. It's just very frustrating. So 
when you're drafting and redraft until you're in the later rounds and you're taking flyers anyway, like I drafted AJ green in a few leagues last year, knowing he probably wouldn't work out, but he was going in like the 10th round. Like, why not? He's my wide receiver five. I don't need him to play. I've got plenty of other guys to slot in, but look, if he's AJ green and technically he was peppered early, he just couldn't get his shit together and catch all the touchdowns that Joe Burrow was throwing him. So it didn't work out, but if he stayed healthy and if Joe Burrow stayed healthy, I think it would have been a massive value to get AJ Green's talent in the 10th round, right? Alshon Jeffrey hasn't been healthy in years. If you were to get healthy and land on a better situation and stay healthy, he's pretty much free at this point in redraft leagues, right? So maybe he turns around for season. Deshaun Jackson, is he worth those two or three weeks you're going to have to blow up? So just be careful. Don't draft injured players in redraft. Number five, add bench spots in IR. So this just comes to like, again, roster construction and maybe a commissioner situation, or simply it's something that you can bring up to your league, right? If you're in an active league that rolls year after year, um, like if you're in a home league, a work league, a a good friend league, um, and you know this is like, this is a a league we're going to play in for the next five, six, 10 years, even if it's redraft and not dynasty, you can, I highly recommend whether you're the commissioner or not, you go to your league mates in the group chat or whatever you have. If you see them over the holidays or you guys are bullshitting into summer barbecue, whatever, <clears throat> bring it up to them and say, Hey, you know, just a couple things I was thinking about this season. Uh, you know, we did non PPR this year. What do you guys think about kicking it up to half? Right. Um, hey, have you guys ever tried, you know, super flex, like you play two quarterbacks. Um, hey, we had three bench spots last year and COVID hit and it was terrible. Why don't we put like six bench spots, maybe an extra IR or two, you know, Hey, why don't we do tight end premium? Because if you don't have Kelsey or Kittle or Andrews or Waller, you're hurting, right? Anything like that. You just mix it up a little bit. And obviously you're going to bring that up for vote, hopefully and majority rules, which is, should be the case. Um, but it's always fun to kind of m- mash it up. I've been in a home league for almost 15 years now, and most things have stayed the same since we started right? Most things have stayed the same, but we have changed a few things. We started with two defenses. We no longer play two DSTs. We started with a full point completion for the quarterback. Guys like Eli Eli Manning were scoring like 65 points a week, right? Michael Vick scored 94 for me one game when he played uh, Washington one night when he was with the Eagles. So we kicked that part out, right? But then we brought in like bonus scoring for 40 and 50 yard touchdowns. You get an extra four and a five points. Um, there's all sorts of stuff you can do to make it fun, right? Uh, you can do kind of that extra sub at the end of the week, right? So um, you can play your roster, but every week we know how it is. There's always one guy on your bench where you're like, oh shit, I should have started him, right? I should have started Cam Akers over Todd Gurley, blah, blah, blah. Todd Gurley gave me six points. Cam Akers went off for 25. I should have saw that coming, but I didn't because of Todd Gurley. The projection told me it was going to be more. I didn't see them scoring that much, yada, yada. Well, what you could do is you could say, hey, it's a league-wide rule that perhaps um, at the end of each week, now this has to clear before waivers. This is very important because you can't be pulling bullshit after the fact. Games end on Sunday, then you have Monday night, right? By like Tuesday afternoon before Wednesday waivers in most leagues, if it's Tuesday, you're going to have to deal with it on Monday. But before Wednesday waivers, you need to go in there and everybody needs to submit if it matters like, like the sub from your bench that goes into your lineup to take over, right? Now, it's not cheating or, or shady because everybody has the opportunity to do it. And frankly, if all of your best players played in your starting lineup, you don't have anybody from your 
bench to play up or if your opponent did that that's the same thing right now of course they can only cover their position so if a if a quarterback goes off for 45 points I can't put that in my tight end slot when my tight end puts up four points right but if I had a random backup tight end who happened to catch like Dan Arnold or something and uh you know George Kittle got hurt and Dan Arnold just caught two touchdowns well I could swap Kittle out and put Dan Arnold in my tight end position for the scoring for that week your commissioner can go in there manipulate the scoring and boom so again complicated on that one but makes it fun you kind of have that alternate all around and it helps kind of make a more even bench situation as well so number five add bench spots and ir now again hopefully we don't have a covid uh, covid situation heading into 2021 but the reality is we're in january per this podcast and who knows right we have a new president now things could change things could not change though as well so we don't know what's going to happen add a couple ir spots every league i commissioned last year I had three IR spots. I had one previously. I had three last year, and I was still filling up and dropping guys I didn't want to because there were so many out with injuries and COVID. So consider more bench spots and more IR spots overall. Okay, number six, use FAB for waiver claims. So this is free uh, free agent acquisition budget. You've heard us talk about it quite a bit. We talked about it yesterday with Lucas this has become my favorite method for waiver claims. Okay. If you're unfamiliar with fab, it's literally like it's, it's money that you have. All right. Let's take sleeper. If you use a sleeper app, which I recommend, they're great. Uh, not a sponsor uh, yet, but um, they're just a, a fantastic place. But if you know, ESPN, whatever, CBS, Yahoo, everybody's got it at this point, but let's take sleeper. If you're on sleeper, you're going to be given, let's call it $100. Your commissioner can make it any amount of money, but it's all relative because everyone has the same and the cost is the same. It doesn't matter. Let's say 100 to make it easy. Then it's a mid-season auction. So you have that quote-unquote $100. Now, it's not real money unless you play real money. We know the commission boys have a home league where they actually auction real dollars for players. That's a whole other animal. But on Sleeper, you play with that you know fictional 100 bucks everybody gets, and you go out there and you grab a guy off of the waivers, right? So uh, Christian McCaffrey goes down. You want to get Mike Davis. That's an opportunity. Maybe you're spending 80 of that $100 right off the bat. Now you spend it. You don't get it back. You spend it. You get Mike Davis. Boom. If you're outbid, maybe I put down 85. You put down 80. Well, all of a sudden, I'm going to get him, and you're not. You only spend that fab if you get the player you wanted, and you have to bid on them. Now, once waivers clear, now you no longer have to uh, spend waiver, uh, excuse me, fab that week. So if I put down 80, you put down 85, you get Mike Davis. I don't, sucks I don't get Mike Davis, but maybe I put down 15 on uh, who was good, number one, Benny Snell, right? Who didn't work out, but James Conner got hurt. And now all of a sudden I've got Benny Snell, right, instead. So think about fab instead of like last place or stuff like that. It just avoids tanking and Honestly, too, what's kind of fun is you can start trading fab dollars as well, um, throwing that in trade. So if somebody burned, say you burn $85 of your 100 on Mike Davis early in the season, by the time you get to midseason, you don't have any more money. Well, Mike Davis worked out for most of the year, but what if he gets hurt again? Now you got to find another running back or somebody else and you don't have any of that. Maybe you looked for a trade, but I might look for like a, I don't know, I'm just making something up. But let me say, you know, I'm looking for like a J.D. McKissick and... 50 fab dollars right versus just jd mckissick for mike davis something like that right so you can kind of get some fab back and a lower tier running back to kind of fill that spot so just something to consider to move to fab if you have not already for your waiver okay next up number seven here 
mid to later round quarterbacks. Okay. So look, I know it's sexy. It's fun. I used to do it in the past to get, uh, let's say Lamar Jackson in the second round, Patrick Mahomes in the second round, depending on your scoring, maybe it was the first round, even if it was the third round, it's overspending. Patrick Mahomes is a beast. So is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was arguably the hottest quarterback down the stretch. Patrick Mahomes was arguably the hottest quarterback to start, but they didn't have a full season this year. Almost every single year, Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, I won't guarantee because both of them are beasts and they both run the ball. So that's the new thing in fantasy. Well, not new, but that's the thing in fantasy to be a top quarterback. I'm not going to say they're not going to be number one and two next year, but if it was make a bet on those two being one and two or the field, I would take the field. So basically what it comes down to is if Kyler Murray and, and uh, Josh Allen end up going in like the second, third round this year, instead of Mahomes, I mean, Mahomes is going to go first. He always does. But if that becomes the case, because they had these huge years, I'm going to fade them because if you draft in the second round, you have to get the maximum value of these guys. You have to have them finishing as the a top three quarterback or it's a bust. It's a, it's a blown pick they're going to be good for you obviously but it's not an upside pick where you're getting value from that pick you are only playing to get the absolute price from them which is not something I want to do with fantasy in general especially not a quarterback when it's such a deep position and I can play the waivers now waivers is sticky and this is only single quarterback if you have a super flex league you best be drafting Patrick Mahomes in their first top five picks I mean you have to right you most people are drafting two quarterbacks in the first five rounds but if it's single quarterback, I recommend you don't draft a quarterback to like the fourth or fifth round. And honestly, maybe even like the sixth, seventh. And if you are looking at, if, you, if your league is going heavy on quarterback, grab your third running back, grab your fourth receiver. That guy is going to be a wide receiver two, a running back two. And you're getting him in the sixth, seventh round because the rest of your league is going elsewhere, right? Then you can start looking at some of the middle and, um, Later round guys, for example, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, and Justin Herbert were drafted between the seventh round, and Justin Herbert was undrafted in most leagues because of the Terod Taylor situation. Okay, there are going to be quarterbacks next year who aren't even drafted that are going to be fantasy relevant for whatever reason. I'll tell you right now, Sam Darnold ends up, I don't know, random team. Okay, um, let's say Deshaun Watson leaves, he ends up in Houston. Fine, it looks like a shitty situation. But if they don't have a defense, which they don't, and they don't have much of a running game or it's check downs anyway, and he has a couple of solid wide receiver weapons, they're going to be chasing, and he's going to have the upside for throwing all game long. So, look, I'm making this one up, but Sam Donald is not somebody that's on anybody's single quarterback radar right now. But next year, if he ends up in a better situation, he might be one of those guys you take in the 15th, 16th round, like, eh, what the hell? I could see him having QB1 upside weekly. And you just don't get that kind of value at another position. So <clears throat> don't recommend you getting a quarterback in the second or third round because you have to get max return on that. I would rather get my running back or my wide receiver, even Kelsey or Kittle, um, Andrews or Waller even in those third or fourth rounds. Um, and then get and maybe, you know, a high upside quarterback this year, like a Kyler Murray, uh, Josh Allen, even Dak Prescott, um, Deshaun Watson, he was QB five. Anyway, he lands in a better spot. He's going to be even bigger than that in like the fifth or sixth round. Then you're playing upside, right? But you know that you're, you're looking pretty good there. 
But then the farther you go, the more upside you're looking at. Just be careful because you don't want to get too deep. And then you start playing with like Derek Carrs and, and um, you know, Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfields and stuff like that. Um, you know, upside weeks, but not the consistency. Okay, one more and a quick commercial break here. Number eight, draft Travis Kelsey in the late first or second round. Otherwise, Kittle, Waller, Andrews, as I mentioned, or wait until the end of the draft. So Lucas was pretty hot on this uh, preseason, and to his credit, uh, we had two or three teams together this season, and he was like, Sky, we have to draft Kelsey in our, as our second-round pick. No matter where our second-round pick is, we're drafting either Devontae Adams or a top running back, and then we're drafting Travis Kelsey. That's just what we're going to do. I was like, all right, deal. Well, in the three leagues we had, I'm pretty sure we got Travis Kelsey or Derek – or I'm sorry, uh, Devontae Adams or Derek Henry – in the first round. And then we got Kelsey, right? That was something that we just had to do. And you saw this year again for the six year in a row, he was a top 10 wide receiver in half in, in full PPR. The advantage of having Travis Kelsey is so far in a way beyond even having a good Christian McCaffrey, even having Devonte Adams because of the separation at the position. It's even more important because it's at a onesie position, which means you only play one tight end in most leagues. So the difference between Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller is tremendous. The difference between Darren Waller and number three in points per game, it was George Kittle is tremendous, right? So you're having such extra tiers and Travis Kelsey is arguably the number one. He's the one B at least, High, you know, most potent offense, arguably in the NFL. He has touchdown upside, clearly. Um, they use him in the red zone. They use him in between the 20s. He has eight catch floor. He catches 100 yards weekly, and he's got one or touch, two touchdown upside constantly, right? So draft Travis Kelsey in the late first. If you have, I mean, honestly, I haven't totally finished my rankings yet, but Travis Kelsey is in my top 12 overall right now. I think he's floating at about number 10. And I'm honestly kind of floating him and Tyreek Hill back and forth. So if I have like the 10th, 11th, 12th pick and I'm on the turn anyway, I will probably look at Travis Kelsey first, then pick up my number one wide receiver or running back on the turn because I am more confident with making sure to have Travis Kelsey and getting, let's say, Tyreek Hill, um, New Hopkins, whatever. Those guys are similar. Tyreek or Travis Kelsey's in a league of his own. Now, look, people are like, holy shit, dude, why would you draft a tight end in the first round? What if he gets hurt? Yeah, if he gets hurt, I got to do something else. And that fucking sucks. But Zeke Elliott got, you know, Zeke Elliott was a bust this year after Dak went down. He got injured, right? CMC got hurt. Saquon Barkley got hurt. Michael Thomas got hurt. Um, Joe Mixon got hurt. Kenyon Drake wasn't effective. Miles Sanders wasn't effective. Austin Eckler got hurt. Like, what are you going to do? Right. If those guys stay healthy, you're doing well. If you don't, you don't. And let's not forget some of you OGs out there who remember Gronk in his heyday. Gronkowski was a number one uh, first round pick, I should say, for years, five or six years. Gronkowski was a, a top 10 pick in fantasy. Nobody thought twice about it. And the second tight end would go in like the fifth round. Well, the tight ends have turned around because they're more receivers these days. So in PPR, it matters more. And a guy like Darren Waller is the number one right? Mark Andrews is the number one. I would argue George Kittle is the number one for his team. So that helps tremendously. But again, having Kelsey's floor and upside as the, um, a person on your bench matters 
right? I don't know many playoff teams that made a deep run and won the championship without Travis Kelsey. Now you could have had, you know, Stefan Diggs, maybe Josh Allen, maybe uh, uh, Alvin Kamara, especially in the championship, um, Dalvin Cook, uh, Tay Adams. If you have one of those big studs, then of course you got away with it. But if you didn't, and you didn't have Travis Kelsey, I almost guarantee you didn't make the championship. If you did, DM me a screenshot of that. I would love to see your roster otherwise, because you did a hell of a job, clearly. Okay, let's get into a quick commercial break. Let me catch my breath here real quick, and I'll roll out the next handful of things that I learned in 2020. So y'all have heard me talk about them already a couple times this week. I'm going to continue to rep them. I'm super pumped on this partnership. So if you're hearing it for the first time, we just linked up with the Jersey Jungle. That's on Instagram at the Jersey Jungle. T-H-E-J-E-R-S-E-Y-J-U-N-G-L-E, the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. Super clean, crisp jerseys, right? These are like the game-worn jerseys that they have on the field. Okay, are you looking for a player from your favorite team? I'm a Niner fan, as y'all know. I'm looking for a Kittle. I might get, like, I have a Frank Gore signed. I don't really want to wear that one around, though. It is signed. I'm, like, trying to hold on to that. My man's probably going to the Hall of Fame. I think I'm going to keep a, a keepsake on that and maybe uh, put my kid through college eventually on that one. So I'm going to hang on to Frankie G signed. However. I wouldn't mind maybe a throwback early 2000s Niner jersey of Frank Gore that I can rep on Sundays moving forward, right? Got home and away, got the throwbacks, got the veterans. He's got the the uh, color rush, if you like those from like the Thursday night football when they change up the uniforms, those look pretty spicy. Um, has custom jerseys as well. Hit up the Jersey Jungle. Make sure to mention that TCK sent you. So you can say, yo, Sky from TCK sent me your way. I'm looking to get some jerseys. I want to get an Alvin Kamara jersey because he scored six touchdowns for me in my fantasy championship. Blew my competition out of the water. Took home that hashtag TCK title. I'm looking for a Kamara jersey so I can rep that next year at the live draft that hopefully we have next year. If you're doing that, make sure to rep TCK. Now, football jerseys are 60 bucks. These same exact jerseys, like the stitch twill, the super clean jerseys on NFL.com, $120. They're 60 bucks. And if you mention TCK, you get 10% off of one jersey, 10% off of two jerseys, or 15% off of three plus jerseys. He doesn't just have football. He has NBA, soccer, baseball, hockey, and he does custom jerseys as well. I actually just had a good friend of mine reach out to me and some of you know that I've been in the music space as well uh, in my, my previous life. I'll go into that in another episode maybe, but I was in a nationally touring reggae band for 10 years and met a lot of great bands around the world. And a lot of the Island bands, Hawaii, um, uh, New Zealand, Australian bands, Jamaican bands, it's hot there. Right. So they don't have like band hoodies. They don't have band t-shirts. They have jerseys. They have like basketball jerseys for their band. They're fucking awesome. They look great. So I had a buddy of mine who just hit me up today. He was like, yo, man, do you know where I can get some like custom basketball, baseball type jerseys, but like rep the band on the front, not a player. And I was like, yo, I know just the guy hit up my man, Jersey jungle on IG at the Jersey jungle. Let him know TCK sent you and get yourself some clean ass fits of your favorite players or those players that got you that hashtag TCK title. All right, y'all, deep breath. We'll get into the second half here of what I learned in 2020. Here we go. Number nine, 
avoid notable risk in the first four rounds. So to kind of reiterate what I've talked about a couple of times already on some other points here, look in the first round, Travis Kelsey's the guy I just went in on. Okay, great. Again, anybody can get hurt. Anybody can get hurt. I'm not putting that in when I draft. Now, I'm not going to expect anybody to get hurt, but there are certain players that I'm going to potentially fade because they have an injury history. Okay. So Joe Mixon coming back from an injury that ended the season. If he's a second, third round pick next year, love my man, Joe main Mixon. I believe in the Bengals. If Joe Burrow comes back healthy, they draft maybe Sewell from Oregon. They sure up that offensive line. They could be great. And maybe Joe Mixon's going to be a steal in the fourth or fifth round. He's in the second or third, though. It's pretty expensive for a guy that missed most of the season injured. Austin Eckler, same thing. Eh, I don't know if I'm going to make that move. However, you know, Nick Chubb even, love Nick Chubb. Probably a top five running back this year. Going to be tough to draft him at top five. A, he doesn't catch passes as much as everybody else. B, he did get hurt for five games. The difference, though, Austin Eckler came back and looked great. Joe Mixon missed the rest of the season. Nick Chubb came back and it was arguably better than before he got injured. So he's healthy, right? Those are things I'm taking into consideration. I'm, I'm looking for safety. Now, last year you look for safety, you get CMC, you get Saquon, you get Zeke, you get Michael Thomas, can't get more safe than those four guys. And they all let you down, right? So it's not guaranteed, but guys like Devontae Adams, guys like Dalvin Cook, if he's going to stay healthy like this, Alvin Kamara, regardless of who the quarterback is, right? Travis Kelsey. I like all those guys, Derek Henry. He might not score you 100 points every week, but he's as safe as they come as far as durability. So look at avoiding injury wrist players <clears throat> preseason coming in, in the first couple uh, rounds. You want to make sure you sure up a running back or two and a wide receiver or two unless you get one of those top tight ends in your first four rounds. Get the safety. Again, if they get hurt, they get hurt, and you move on. You make, you make changes, right? But get those safety picks in the first four. Then you start looking at like, okay, I have two stud running backs, right? That I expect to like play every game. So, you know, maybe it's Aaron Jones and let's say it's Derrick Henry and Eric Jones. All right. And then your wide receiver uh, one, but in the third round, I'll make it up. But, you know, let's say it's um, maybe it's uh shit. Maybe uh, Allen Robinson probably stay there with two back-to-back top 10 positions if he gets on a better team or whatever right so you're looking pretty good calvin ridley maybe even whatever fourth round you do the same thing maybe it's another high profile uh, wide receiver maybe it's dk aj brown something like that so you're looking really pretty so now you're just looking for insurance quarterback tight end wide receiver running back three four five now you're looking really good and you can start taking some more risks so try to avoid the uh draft um drafts with injured players in your first couple of rounds Okay, number 10, don't be too concerned about the bye weeks when drafting unless it's a backup quarterback or a bunch in the same week. So this seems pretty self-explanatory to me, but I get a lot of pre-draft questions of like, hey, man, like I just did a mock. Check this out. What do you think? And I look at the mock and I'm like, well, first of all, you drafted three quarterbacks or two tight ends or something, uh, which is not the end of the world. I've done that. It's no big deal. But the problem is, two or three of those guys have the same bye week. So for example, if I draft like, I don't know, like if I go early and I go like Kyler Murray in the fourth round, and then I go, uh, let's just say, you know, uh, Matt Ryan in the eighth and I'll, you know, looking to play the better matchups, whatever. And then I take a, take a stab and I go with um, let's say Justin Fields in the later rounds, depending where he falls, I've got three quarterbacks. Well, 
if all of a sudden all three of those guys end up with a week 11 buy, I'm fucked. Right. So you got to be careful about that. You got to make sure that they don't coincide with each other. Now, if it's a late buy, I'm not super tripping on it because the reality is like one of those guys might be way better than the other one. They might be trade bait. One of those guys might get hurt. One of those guys might just fall off a cliff like Matt Ryan did and you drop them anyway and pick somebody else up. So not the end of the world, but definitely something to consider when you're drafting quarterbacks or tight ends because you only play one each week. Right. So if a week 11 comes along, you don't have anybody to sit at quarterback. You have three quarterbacks on your roster. You want to keep all three of them, but you have to play somebody. So you either take the L or you take a zero <clears throat> or you have to drop one of those guys to, to pick up a, a schmo, you know, pick up Andy Dalton or something to play in that week just because you need somebody. So be careful there. Otherwise, running backs, wide receivers, not worried about bye weeks. <clears throat> now, if you can avoid it, I don't want all my guys in week eight and nine. I don't want them in connecting weeks. Because the problem is if you come into week eight and nine, let's see, you'd be four and three, maybe five and two, something like that. Maybe three and four, maybe you had some injuries, whatever it is. Well, if half your team is going to be gone back to back weeks, it's going to be hard to overcome. You could quickly end up in, you know, week 10 and you could be, you know, three and seven or three and six, I guess. Right. You could be um, in deep shit, frankly, five and four at best, you know. Now you're good to the rest of the season, but that could be very tricky. So I'm not super concerned about bye weeks when you draft, but try to like forfeit a week if you want. Like if you draft a bunch of Packers and Chiefs and Falcons, because they're all explosive offenses, yada, yada, and, and, and seven of your guys on your team, including DST, maybe your kicker as well, like eight teams on your or eight things of your 13 player roster are uh, week six bye. Look, if they're great players and you want them every other week, then maybe you just kind of shit can week six. I mean, it is what it is, right? You just kind of forfeit and like, ah, fuck, I'll throw some scrubs out there, hopefully have some good weeks, or I'll just take the L. That's okay. I've done that before, and that's not a big deal. But you don't want to do that multiple weeks. I don't want that to happen three times, twice over the season, because that can really put you in a hole if you're already behind. So don't be too concerned about bye weeks when drafting unless it's your backup quarterback or your tight end, but you also don't want them in back-to-back weeks. Okay, number 11, <clears throat> draft value players at wide receiver and tight end and pass catchers at running back. Now, with the exception of Henry and Chubb, as I mentioned earlier, you want running backs that catch the ball. Okay, now, to be honest, in the NFL these days, there's very few Tevin Coleman's and Sony Michelle's and, uh, you know, um, Adrian Peterson's, right? There's very few guys left in the NFL anymore that aren't terribly effective and don't catch the ball. Okay. Now, Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry are obviously in a league of their own. As far as bell cow running backs, they get 20 touches a game and two of those might be targets. Fine. They do all their work on the ground. I could give a shit less if, if Nick Chubb is catching more passes now, which is great, but Derrick Henry hasn't probably won't. And it's no big deal. Now, Arthur Smith is leaving from Tennessee to go to Atlanta. So maybe Derrick Henry gets more work in the pass game. They try to get him in open field more often. Who knows? Either way, those are the exceptions. Everybody else, like Christian McCaffrey is all world, but he wouldn't be all world if he didn't catch the ball. He would be very good. He would still be a top five fantasy running back, but he gets so much of his work and the big plays and the long runs and the touchdowns and the screens through the pass game. Saquon Barkley, great pass catcher. Zeke Elliott, honestly, when they throw him the ball, great pass catcher. Alvin Kamara, obviously, I would argue the best in the game. Dalvin Cook, clearly, right? Even guys like Aaron Jones, great out of the backfield, okay? 
uh, guys down the list a little bit. Austin Eckler, obviously very good. Then you have guys like CEH who should be better if they feed him more this year. James Connors even be good, even though he's not reliable anymore. Chris Carson, same thing. Le'Veon Bell in his heyday. Todd Gurley in his Todd Gurley seasons was catching the ball in the backfield. So you want those guys in the later round picks. Now, James White, unfortunately, is probably his prime is behind him. Just what's going on in New England, unless he leaves and, you know, finds somebody else. Maybe ends up in Tampa next year and gets some dump offs from Tom, but otherwise probably not. But look, this year's James White was J.D. McKissick, right? So you want guys that catch the ball. Okay. So at wide receiver and tight end though, you're looking at volume plays. So guys like Allen Robinson, not the best targets, but he gets a shit ton of them every week. Robert Woods gets peppered. Okay. Now I love AJ uh, Brown. I love DK Metcalf. I love Tyler Lockett overall. Those guys though, look, if they don't bust like a 50 yard touchdown, which all three of them obviously can any play, if they don't, it's a little risky. You know, those guys have 35-point games. They also have seven-point games, right? I want wide receivers on my team. Now, look, if they're your number one and it's Tyreek Hill and you know he can get you 45 points and he goes up for three catches for 30 yards and they just keep him out of the end zone one game, happens. Julio Jones has bad games, right? But I want guys like Calvin Ridley, okay? I want guys that are going to get peppered, have the upside, and have the touchdown upside at wide receiver, and you need to understand that even if Robert Woods isn't going to score much or Allen Robinson isn't going to score much, they're going to get six to eight catches minimum a game, 60 to 80 yards minimum a game, and that right there gives you a 14 to 16 point floor. If they catch a touchdown, it puts you over 20. If they get 10 catches or 100 yards, that's going to put you over 20, 30. All of a sudden, you're flirting with a very good game, and you have that floor, that base, Not everybody's going to explode for you every single week. It's very important that you get basic points as often as possible to buoy your lineup. That's one thing I learned from Lucas this year. You have to just get points on your roster. Okay. Not everybody's going to be sexy. Not everybody's going to blow up. You got to get dudes who are going to buoy your team in case your superstars don't go off that week. What happens when Dalvin Cook gets stuffed? He has 30 carries for 86 yards and no touchdown. If you don't have a Robert Woods or, you know, an Allen Robinson or a Keenan Allen, somebody like that to just get catch after catch after catch after catch to help you with the yardage and buoy your shit, right? Debo Samuel, when he was healthy, Brandon Ayuk, another thing. You don't have one of those guys. You're going to end up with a a pretty rough roster. But if you have those guys and your superstar doesn't go off, you still might be able to survive. So number 11, draft volume players, a wide receiver and tight end and pass catchers at running back, aside from, of course, Henry and Chubb. Okay, a couple more here. I'll go through these a little bit quicker. Um, number 12, note coaching changes. This is pretty obvious. Another great reason to have a Twitter. Again, make a Twitter account tonight if you don't have one. You don't have to fucking make one post. Don't worry about it. You don't have to interact. You don't have to comment on people's shit. You don't have to do anything. Make a post tonight. Go through and just type in the guys that you follow. Follow us and then go through our follows and who we follow. Follow those, some of those guys. Follow your other podcast people. Follow Schefter. Follow Ian Rappaport. Get those, you know, follow Mike Clay. Follow the footballers, whatever. Get the people that give you that updated knowledge so you have it right away, right? A lot of coaching changes are happening right now. Head coaches or head coaching jobs are getting gobbled up. OCs are changing teams. Positional coaches are getting promoted. They're getting demoted. They're moving teams. That's so important for us to look at. Yeah, I think it's the single most thing that is not covered enough in fantasy football are the coaching changes. And I know that Bobby and Dwayne are foaming at the mouth to get you guys those episodes this season when everything settles. They are already chalking in everybody and getting everybody settled, where they're going to be, what it means for such quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. 
are they a run first offense? Are they a pass first offense, right? What kind of defense do they play? That matters. Cause now we know we can attack this team where last year, maybe we couldn't or vice versa. Okay. Make sure you check on the coaching changes. It's a great reason to have a Twitter because things pop up super quickly and you can check those out. Um, but note the coaching changes for the rest of your players. Number 13, note the player changes also. So look, a couple of free agents and players I expect to be on some other team among many. Deshaun Watson, obviously unhappy in Houston. Aaron Jones could get an extension and get paid with the big boys in Green Bay, or they could let him go. Chris Godwin, Juju Schuster, Kenny Galladay, just to name a few guys that could be on different teams next year. All right. So be sure to dive into those personnel scenarios. I just mentioned all these guys moving teams, different personnel situations. Is this defense? Is this head coach a defensive coordinator like Robert Sala now went with the Jets? Or is he an offensive coordinator? Right. That might change the dynamic of the team. Defensive coaches generally lean toward a run first approach. Offensive coordinators, when they get a head coach, want to kind of run and gun it. Right. So be careful with that and dive into those situations. So number 12 and 13, pretty much the same thing. Note coaching changes and note player changes. 14, it's okay to draft rookies, but don't expect production right away. Okay. So running backs and wide receivers usually take a few weeks to settle in. If you do draft them, make sure to be patient. Justin Jefferson did not pop off until week three. Akers was at the end of the year. Jonathan Taylor was in the middle to the end of the year. Okay. T Higgins was absolutely red hot and then disappeared when Burrow went down. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, red hot, disappeared when uh, Dak went down. Brandon Ayuk, not really available when Kittle was healthy and Jimmy was healthy and Debo was healthy. Well, he got hurt. He was the next man up. Boom. Brandon Ayuk is like a gold mine off of a waiver, right? So, and James Robinson, obviously. If you draft rookies, be patient with those guys. You guys have heard my story about Alvin Kamara. I drafted him in the 10th round, 2017, just because. He became Alvin Kamara, won my league, kept him as a keeper in the 10th round the next league. I went undefeated. Only undefeated season of fantasy I've ever had was basically because I kept Alvin Kamara in the 10th round and I built the rest of my team around that. So if you draft rookies, it's fine, but be patient. If you're not willing to wait one month for rookies, do not draft them. Wait for people to get frustrated, drop them, and you pick up a Cam Akers midseason, DeAndre Swift midseason. You get gold nuggets off the waiver for free midseason. If you're not willing to draft them and wait a month, I wouldn't draft them at all. Number 15, mock draft. This is the most fun. It's the most easy. You can do it um, multiple ways. Uh, the best way I like to mock draft if I'm by myself <clears throat> is Fantasy Pros. Fantasy Pros is not a sponsor. I'm a huge fan. I listen to podcasts every day. Shouts out to my boy, Mike Tagliere, Dan Harris, all of the guests that they have, Kyle Yates, of course, um, and the rest of the crew at Fantasy Pros. First of all, listen to their podcast. They're absolutely incredible. Also, though, Go on to, uh, they have a phone app you can get. It's called a Draft Wizard, Fantasy Pros Draft Wizard. You can download it. It's free. You can literally mock draft. I'm not shitting you in five minutes. Sometimes I'm laying in bed and I can't really fall asleep and I'm just kind of dicking around until I get tired. I literally can mock draft three times in, in 20 minutes. And then I have a better idea of where ADP is, where is this guy sitting right now? The rookies will come in after the draft. Okay, now they're starting to fall into place. It is automated. And it will uh, update <clears throat> throughout the summer as thousands and thousands and thousands of people have mock draft. So you have the ECR, expert consensus ranking, and the ADP. I have a draft position getting uh, more and more updated as you go throughout the summer. Highly recommend if you're by yourself to do the draft wizard. You can pick any settings you want. You can sync your leagues if you have a subscription like I do. You can do any sort of um, – you can pick any position you want to mock draft from. So if you have – say you have a work league and in July you guys draft out of a hat 
and you get the seventh pick. You know you're going to have the seventh pick. Start fucking mock drafting from the seventh pick and be like, oh, shit, I thought Devontae Adams would still be available. He's not. Okay, well, now I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, again, I'll make it up, um, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, uh, Derek Henry, potentially, uh, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, New Hopkins. Those are some of my best options at the seven position. Who would I want? Start doing research on them. Don't spend any more time on fucking Alvin Kamara because he's going top three or four. You're not going to get him in that league. Start looking at other people. Then you go on the turn. What position are you going to get? Okay, cool. Well, there's about five or six top five wide receivers. Maybe I can go running back early, and then I, I know I'm going to be able to pick from some of these guys in the second round. Or, hey, is Travis Kelsey going to be around still? And no, he's going in the back of the first. I'm going to miss out on him unless I pick him seven. Seems a little early. You start having all those conversations in your head. Mock drafting helps so much. If you're by yourself, get the uh, Draft Wizard on your phone app, or you can also do it on the computer, of course. If you have a group of people you want to do it with, go onto the Sleeper app. ESPN and Yahoo and CBS have it too, but the Sleeper app allows you to kind of designate who wants to be in which area. So again, if you have a work league or a coworker league and y'all draft out of a hat and you know, okay, look, everybody's got their draft position. You want to do one mock draft before the season just because you can slot everybody in there, no problem. Do a free one, set a timer, don't set a timer. You can put in keepers. I slip in my keepers in my home league so everybody knows, like, okay, that guy was taken in this round, that guy was taken in this round. This guy won't have a pick for three rounds because of keepers, blah, blah, blah. Start doing that. So mock draft is the single best thing that I do all summer to help me get ready, but I don't mock draft for, for like, real, real until about July because everything now is without rookies, so it's bullshit, it's all – it's all, you know, kind of um, uh, recency bias, if you will, um, which I just I'm not into. I, I think it's a waste of time to get super fired up on rookies right now and pretend like you're going to draft this guy in this round. And, oh, what if he goes here? This is my team. It just isn't. Ninety nine percent of that shit's going to fall through and you're wasting your time. I do mock draft just to get an idea of where all the veterans sit, but I don't take any of that seriously. I just kind of do it to, to keep myself in the game. But I will start mock drafting for real once the draft uh, NFL draft happens in April and start June, July. I start taking mock drafts more seriously and I'll start, um, you know, manipulating the settings depending on what league settings I have and scoring settings. And I'll go through and I'll understand, okay, I've got the 10th pick in this league. I've got the second pick in this league. Um, I've got the 12th pick in this league, but I have a keeper in round six. So if I mock draft all the way through with the keeper in round six, Who's that keeper? Is he a running back? Okay, maybe I don't have to take another running back in the second round. I've got one waiting for me in the sixth. I can pick the tight end there, right? That's the kind of shit you want to do with mock drafts. So a lot of information, y'all. I know it's a lot of me today. Um, let me blaze through this again for you real quick. 15 things I learned in 2020. I hope it was valuable for you. Make sure to tune back one episode for 10 things that didn't work for Lucas and I. So 15 things I learned in 2020 in no particular order as far as importance, but I'll read them in the order that I read them to you. Know your league settings and scoring. If you're a commissioner, make sure to collect league fees at the beginning of the draft. I will also mention, make sure you have everybody's contact information. It seems obvious, but fuck, it is impossible to track down people at the end of the year. Get everybody's information. Make sure you have them unlocked. Number three, plan ahead and research. Get yourself a Twitter, listen to podcasts, read articles, watch YouTube film, Get into it. If you're into it, you're into it. Make it happen. Number four, don't draft injured players in redraft. Dynasty's different. Redraft, if you know a guy's got an injury history, somebody like Julio Jones willing to take that risk. It's Julio Jones. If he doesn't get hurt, I fucking could win my league. Fine. Somebody else, AJ Green, meh, I'll pass. Let somebody else deal with that time bomb. Number five, add bench spots and IR spots. 
we don't hope for COVID this year, but shit happens and you might as well have a couple extra anyway. Number six, use FAB uh, for your waiver claims. Highly recommend FAB free agent acquisition budget. Number seven, target mid to later round QBs. Again, Rogers, Allen, Brady, Tannehill, Herbert, Cousins. Some of these guys were, all these guys, I should say, were drafted after the seventh round and um, Justin Herbert wasn't drafted at all. So you can always find that the gold nuggets and keep that value in the middle rounds to late rounds. Number eight, draft, Kel uh, draft Travis Kelsey in the first to second round. Otherwise, I would be good with Kittle. Played eight games this year, but he was still the tight end three. He'll be fine next year when everybody's healthy. Could even have a uh, quarterback upgrade. So Kittle, Waller, Andrews, or Kelsey draft a tight end early, or you're going to be kind of scraping the barrel at the end. Number nine, avoid notable risk in the first four rounds. Again, draft safety in the first four rounds with a little bit of upside. Avoid those obvious time bombs in the first four rounds. Then you start reaching for upside after that. Number 10, don't be too concerned about bye weeks when drafting unless it's your backup quarterback or tight end or the same week. So again, I don't mind it, but don't get three quarterbacks in a roster and all of them have a week 10 bye because week 10 you're fucked. If they're playing well and you can't draft anybody, you're extra fucked. You don't want to drop anybody, but you got to play someone. Be careful about that. It's not a reason to not draft a player, but it is a reason to compare two or three in the moment. Okay. Maybe you're like, Oh shit. I kind of value Ryan Tannehill and uh, Justin Herbert as the same upside. I don't know. It's probably a bad example. But if I'm looking at those two and I already have Patrick Mahomes and, and Ryan Tannehill and Patrick Mahomes have the same bye week, I might lean Herbert instead and be like, eh, okay, well, I can play Herbert when Mahomes is out. I'll play Mahomes when Herbert's out. Boom. I don't have to worry about ditching somebody. Number 11, draft volume at wide receiver and tight end and pass catchers at the running back. Again, especially in PPR exceptions, Henry, Chubb, maybe Cam Akers. We'll see what happens with him moving forward, but you want the PPR volume guys and you want pass catching running backs. Number 12, note coaching changes. Number 13, note player team changes. Okay, you have a lot of guys moving, a lot of personnel changes. Make sure to pay attention to that. Dweez and Bobby will be bringing you that hardcore uh, once everything um, settles here in the next couple of weeks. So look forward to those episodes. You will learn a ton. And those are my favorite episodes for knowledge uh, base so I can set everything else out. I don't do much um, like for real until I get the coaches settled in because everything's going to change once you get a new sheriff in town. Number 14, it's okay to draft rookies, but make sure to be patient. If you're going to draft a rookie, give them at least a month. If they don't produce after a month, you can let them go. If they get injured or they're not getting the work or whatever, you can let them go after that. But wait at least a month because you never know who's going to pop off like Justin Jefferson, Akers, JT, etc. Number 15, mock draft. The most fun, the easiest. You can do it anywhere. I recommend Fantasy Pros if you're solo. They have a phone app to draft wizard. You can also do it on Sleeper if you have a group of folks. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a lot of me. Thanks for sticking with us. Another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 349. The next one that comes at you is 350. Very stoked for that milestone. 400 just around the corner somehow, which is pretty incredible. Make sure to find us on Instagram if you haven't already. That's fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Also, make sure to go get yourself a jersey, custom stitch and twill jersey, any sport custom jerseys as as well any uh player any team home away custom whatever it is go hit my man up at the jersey jungle on instagram that's at the jersey jungle tell him sky from tck sent you that's a promo code tck 10 percent off of one jersey 10 percent off of two jerseys 15 percent off of three jerseys they already start at 60 bucks 
yo, for like 50 fucking dollars, you can go get yourself a handful of jerseys. Go get that shit. They're clean as hell. I just got a Justin Herbert fired up on it. Enjoy yourself. Another episode in the books. I will catch you tomorrow. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week and you're getting ready for those AFC Conference Championships and the NFC Conference Championships. Winners head to the Super Bowl. I'll catch you next time, y'all. Have a wonderful evening. I'm your host, Scott Guasco, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.